Welcome to darkness, to nightmare. This is a mini-sode mini-series that will take a look at monsters and what they have to say about humanity. We're Alan and M, and welcome to Darkness to Light. This is the first of our October minisodes, which we are calling Darkness to Nightmare. And this whole thing was your idea. You know, they say once you have the name for a podcast, <laughs> you have to record the podcast. And by they, I mean us. <laughs> we talked before, back in, in our promo and our trailer for this show. True. We talked about doing minisodes. Wasn't that like three and a half plus years ago? Oh, gosh. Aye, I, aye, I, aye. I feel old. And we've only released 18 episodes, which is cool. Because they've been really good and in-depth. And long. This is your eternal frustration that I love recording like two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour episodes. And you're like, can we do 20 minutes, like, in and out, done? For this series, we're going to try and hit 15 to 30-minute episodes, each one focusing on a different monster. At this point, we don't know if we've met our goal, but the listeners do. Oh, that's terrifying. They know how long this episode is. We don't. Hello, people of the future. (laughs) I promise I will try to be brief. Your idea was Halloween times. Let's talk about monsters. I really wanted to do a special basically on movie monsters was sort of Mm -hmm. how this whole thing started and look at the universal monster movies and be like okay well let's look at some of the religious tradition and symbolism Mm -hmm. behind these big famous classic monsters two things that you pointed out one that would be like a three-hour episode (laughs) two some of our good friends already do those episodes yeah this this isn't house of frankenstein This isn't startling monster horror tales of terror. Although, we strongly recommend that you listen to both Mm -hmm, of those because they mm -hmm. are excellent Halloween listening. But we should try and do something... Something darkness to light-ish. Something different than what we even do (laughs) ourselves. So, it was your idea to break this all up into little bite-sized pieces. And that also does take off some of the pressure for us of, well, now... We really don't have to be experts because you cannot say everything that there is to say about vampires in 17 minutes. Genius. Genius! But this episode, we are not going to be starting with vampires. That would be way too obvious. We're going to start with a classic type of monster. One that does actually have an analog in a specific religious culture. We're talking about Frankenstein's monster and the legend of the golem. Do we need to start with the pronunciation and the other monster that almost sounds the same? Let's just do this first. We don't speak Yiddish. We will do our best, but there is also a high likelihood because of pop culture. And we are huge fans of Tolkien. Almost certainly going to say (laughs) golems. On accident. We apologize in advance, but that does raise a question. For a professional philologist, 
not just a lover, but a student of languages. Is it possible that Tolkien had the golem in mind when he named a monster Gollum? I say no. Some people have talked, attempted to attempted make that to make some, linguistic some, some connection. I think it's completely spurious. I think it's almost entirely based around people mispronouncing the word golem. Because as we will talk about, golems have very little in common with Gollum. That is true. And he did actually give an explanation in the text for why Gollum is called Gollum. It's because it's the sound of swallowing a loogie. Gollum. Right. <laughs> right. Like that okay. sort of gross sort of sound. It's like uh, the character in How to Train Your Dragon. His name is Hiccup. So we might use the word accidentally, but we're not talking about Gollum. We are not talking about Gollum. We're and we talking are, we're, about Gollum. And we are not talking about that little linguistic side track. <laughs> and that, I honestly, I think that claim, the fault for it lies completely at the feet of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and oh, Gary for, Gygax. for creating a <laughs> like, monster class. Yeah, and you know, Gygax gave us a lot of good, but that that little spurious internet mm, fan okay. legend, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can trace that back to like 1979. <laughs> Well, if that is not what a golem is, what is a golem? You found some really good stuff about the history of the golem legend at jewishvirtuallibrary.org. That was solid. First, quick fact. Today, there is even a golem museum in the Jewish quarter of Prague. We missed out on this because we were in Germany and there was like the day trip. There you could, actually you could was go a day to Prague, trip to Prague. I, I bet they... We missed out. Like oh, I say, our good friends the Sutherlands have probably been to Prague and to the Golem Museum. Oh no, we're going to have to, <laughs> to go, go back. back to Eastern Europe. How terrible. Whatever will we do? Well, what we will do is we will go to the Golem Museum because <laughs> golems are fascinating. According to Merriam-Webster, the authority on words... A golem is an artificial human being in Hebrew folklore endowed with life. Explained a little bit more as the Hebrew ancestor of the word golem means shapeless mass, and the original golem started as lumps of clay that were formed into figures and brought to life by means of a charm or a combination of letters forming a sacred word. That's a key aspect to the golem legend. In the Middle Ages, golems were thought to be the perfect servants. Their only fault was that they sometimes were too literal or mechanical in fulfilling their master's orders. By the 16th century, the golem was thought of as a protector of the Jews in times of persecution. So, in the same way that Christian imagination was being fired during the Middle Ages, evidently the Jewish imaginative culture was as well. I have taken many classes about the history of the Middle Ages, mm -hmm. and I will eternally <laughs> plant my flag and die on the hill of, oh, the Middle Ages. That was the Dark Ages. Guys, there was a lot of really cool, 
really awesome things happening between the year 900 and 1400. Including St. Thomas Aquinas, if I have my chronology correct. This is the time that we were getting a lot of really interesting theological ideas, but it was the time that really the mythology Mm -hmm. of the Western and Near Eastern worlds were being formed. This is when you get a lot of the pseudoepigrapha. This is where you get a lot of hagiography, so your um, your your quote unquote false gospels, mm-hmm. your gospels of Solomon and Mary Magdalene, and a lot of those were starting to either be created in the sort of early Middle Ages, or were rediscovered and were getting some sort of gaining some traction, yeah, in some, some, ways, some traction yeah. and some focus in sort of mystical Catholicism and mystical. Judaism. This is when you've got the Kabbalistic tradition is on the rise, crazy saint stories, and some some really odd local folklore mm-hmm. relating to saints. A lot of those stories were being written and spread and sort of becoming a major part of culture during the sort of middle to late Middle Ages. Medicine was not doing great. Alchemy. Ah. Now, alchemy was having its heyday. And the golem really ties into a lot those sorts of alchemical Mm -hmm. thoughts where people were trying to figure out the natural world, but definitely through a magical, mystical Mm -hmm. lens. So the ideas of being able to somehow engage in creation and be able to sort of take on a perhaps near godlike aspect, making either one thing into another or creating something from nothing... Mm -hmm. That was a big thing that a lot of people were trying to uh, sort of crack the code on. Talked about golems in the 16th century having this protective role. A couple centuries later, by the time we got to the 1800s, mid to late 1800s, the golem were starting to get more of a, a less friendly reputation. And of course, this is where we get Mary Shelley. Frankenstein is really the most famous yeah. of a golem-like story yeah it is Mm -hmm. i I would say the classic modern golem story which you can contrast with the classic classic the Mm -hmm. classic sort of middle age story which is the golem of prague and i think that the two of them are really interesting to sort of compare because the golem in prague is specifically a protector spirit Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is that it's created by a rabbi it's coming from sort of a a mystical religious Mm -hmm. place and there's sort of a feeling that this is an appropriate use of power Mm -hmm. that a a rabbi understands Mm -hmm. has studied enough knows what he's doing that he can go and say okay i am going to create this very limited creature it can't talk or think. It's, it's, it functions purely in the material world, which is interesting to contrast with Frankenstein because Dr. Frankenstein obviously has no idea mm-hmm. what he is doing and is, as everyone likes to say, playing God. What really does make that leap from sort of meddling a little bit and maybe doing something in the practical world that maybe is still horrific to just blasphemous is that the creature appears to have a mind and Mm. maybe a soul where did that come from 
So the, is it the soul of the dead person brought back to life? Is it that soul? Did the soul come from the lightning? Did all of these great classic stories exist to answer a question? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're looking back at various pieces of, of, of art, we don't understand them maybe because we didn't understand the question that was being asked. But that's a, that's a very fundamental spiritual type of question. Mm-hmm. And that's because, you know, it, when you are in the middle of the scientific revolution mm-hmm. in the 1800s, questions of... Well, what is humanity? Is humanity a mind? Mm-hmm. It, does reason exist separate from the body? Does reason exist separate from the soul? Is there no soul? Is there only reason? What makes a human human? Those sorts of questions people were really getting into because there was a lot of questioning of the Catholic teachings mm-hmm. of the soul and of heaven and of hell. And people weren't totally buying into it. And then they were trying to say, well, if that's not the answer, what, what, is? what is? is? If the creature is a person, does it have a soul? Does it have a, like a rational mind? And is it morally responsible? Because if it has a mind and is morally responsible, but no soul, that's an, that's an interesting answer. Mm-hmm. If it has a mind and a soul, but somehow isn't responsible for itself, what is that? then what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. if there is no soul, where does morality come from? So that's just asking a lot of questions, not so much about the creature, but about the nature of humanity. Now, in looking into golems a little bit, I found one very interesting note that the famous short story, R-U-R, by Carol Kepek, which is the first place where the word robot was ever used, also has golems in it. And you can see as you are describing all of the questions that Frankenstein and that the golem raises are questions that robots, androids, this is this this is the data question. And every version of Star Trek has had that character. What does it mean to be human? Mm-hmm. It's a question that is not limited to the medieval, the gothic type of story. We've just transferred that into over into stories of mechanical beings and AIs and the singularity and uploading our consciousness. Mm -hmm. The fact that hundreds of years later, we are still struggling with those same questions to me means they're really good questions. Yeah. And then the question sort of becomes, if those questions that Mary Shelley's story asked Mm -hmm. are now being asked Mm -hmm. in stories with robots... What do we do in the modern world with stories of golems? Mm -hmm. My preference is to go back to the original, is to go back to the golem of Prague, that template, and really sort of delve into that Mm -hmm. type of of story and tell those in the modern age sort of distinct Mm -hmm. from all of the the metaphysical baggage that comes from Frankenstein. Right. I really, really like golem stories specifically because it is such an elegant creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, just conceptually, the idea that you can animate earth or, or some other organic component and make a thing is very interesting. And we mentioned this briefly, and I wanted to go back to this. The golem is inspirited with a word. This ties into some Kabbalistic yes. and alchemical concepts, mm-hmm. but it goes all the way back to the book of John, the word. Mm-hmm. Having having a word that has some like metaphysical power. 
And so the two things that usually are used in some combination to create a golem is the word emet, which means like man, I believe, or, or, mm-hmm. or like being. But if you remove the aleph from the front, it becomes the word death. Mm-hmm. So when you make the golem, you write emet, and then you remove it, it becomes met, and it ceases to exist, mm-hmm. and it just collapses. Another thing is usually the way that instructions are passed to the golem are by writing them out on a scroll, actually very robot-like. <laughs> you know, that is true. Making a punch card, essentially, <laughs> and putting it in the mouth. Because it can't speak, but being able to have those mm-hmm. words inside of it metaphysically gives it agency to a certain degree. That's some that's really not bad. that's some really that's cool like magical mm-hmm. mechanisms that you've got going on there. And it is no surprise that golems would become a major feature in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> in D D you have the like classic earthen golem, but there is a whole slew of varieties of golems that you can create. And they they range along that continuum from simple earth or stone quote-unquote machines animate machines of some variety that follow a specific role or programming all the way up to semi-sentient or maybe fully sentient and there's Mm. there's some really interesting stuff that you can you can do in that unfortunately no one can pronounce the character (laughs) class correctly darn you tolkien and gygax (laughs) now There are plenty of golem stories in sci-fi properties uh, these days as well. On the X-Files, it was about halfway through the fourth season that their episode Kaddish aired. And it does tackle those basic plot points that, that you talked about, the scroll, the emet, and the met. You know, those basic things were, uh, were present it made it more of a love story aspect to it. It was much more of a personal story than a population being needing protection. Yeah, it's stories. More of like I think a, that's it where was, it was like a a family bodyguard. I'm gonna full, yeah, full disclosure. I do not like this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and I have some fairly serious problems with the way that the golem functioned because it was, at least in my feeling, more like a poltergeist. It was was more ghostly. It was more sort of like a ghostly spirit. It was more like Mm -hmm. they took a thing and it got possessed as opposed to like, Uh, you know, making something out of nothing. But I'm going to be honest. I love golem stories and I have very high standards for them. (laughs) Now, Marvel Comics had a character called the golem. And that, again, deviates, of course, a little bit from the from the classic take. It, it had a, a brief run in the Strange Tales magazine in Marvel 2 and 1 in the early to mid-70s and has basically made just a few appearances since then. But you had a couple of golem-type stories that you wanted to shout out to as well. My personal counter to the X-Files story is Warehouse 13 Season 3 has an episode called Lovesick. And... In my opinion, it deals with some, actually a lot of the same things that the X-Files episode deals with, but just does it a little bit better. 
because of the premise of the show, there is some sort of strange artifact that embodies people to do these strange supernatural things. And in this particular case, it is essentially a virus that is being transmitted from a necklace that is creating golems out of people. There's some really cool, weird stuff where people, when they get cut, they start bleeding sand. Ah, which nice, I thought was nice. which just as well, an image a good visual. is a really good visual. The the people are slowly turning to clay. It's a sort of a perversion of right. the premise of taking clay and making it mm-hmm. human in some way and taking humans and returning them to clay. Interesting. Which I thought was just a pretty good concept when they zoom in on the necklace that's causing this, it does say MF on it. They do a little discussion about what that is and what it means and how it works, and their conclusion is that it is actually the like the seal on the Torah mm, mm-hmm. in Prague that was used to create golems, oh, okay. and that now because it's not being held by someone who understands what it is or how to use it's it, it's just, just doing. going haywire. Right? Okay. Really not a terrible sci-fi premise. I quite enjoy it. All episodes of Warehouse 13 are kind of silly. Yeah. But as far as sort of getting some of the stuff that I really dig about Golem stories. It had some of those really good sort of elegant philosophical concepts going on in it. It does help that one of the main characters is very Jewish. And so having <laughs> having him explain it, I buy it more than if Mulder exactly. is trying to tell me what a Golem yeah, is. I'm man, like, that's... okay, you, you don't know how the Bible works, Mulder. Don't try and tell me how the Torah works. You mentioned the Golem. Mm-hmm. from Marvel Comics. And as I was thinking about these sort of protector creatures, mm-hmm. uh, these these things that come from the earth and fight for a person or a people group or a concept, I started thinking about Swamp Thing mm-hmm. and the, the other... That sort of class of muck monsters. Yeah, the muck monsters. Man thing, to who, yeah. And I think in varying ways and varying incarnations of those, they do get kind of close to mm-hmm. some of those golemic aspects. Especially with Swamp Thing, because mm-hmm. Swamp Thing has been all sorts of right. levels of like sentience and sapience. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff there with, I would think mostly, you know, Alan Moore's version mm-hmm. with a creature who thinks it's human. Mm-hmm. Right. There's mm-hmm. something there that really sort of speaks to me of the golem, of a creature that in a certain way lacks a spirit or a soul. It's why mm-hmm. I love the Swamp Thing Goes to Hell story so much. Right. And again, mm-hmm. I've pimped it before, but if you have not read it, believe it's swamp thing issue 21 it's like the sixth story that alan moore wrote and uh swamp thing meets alec holland in the afterlife they they get a good little conversation of like hang on a second but if i'm you and you're dead and you're here then what am i and how am i here do I have a soul? Mm-hmm. Which gets into some of those sort of Frankensteinish right. things Question, of like, yeah. can Swamp Thing die? And if he does, where does he go? The fact that the questions addressed in the original version of this creature are still asked in modern day versions or aspects or elements of that creature, that's just to me, that's just a 
that's why that creature persists. That type of creature persists exactly. in, in our imaginations. Uh, but in my opinion, when talking about a modern character that really embodies the original concept of a golem, there is only one character that comes to mind. And it is one of the NPCs from the podcast, The Adventure Zone. The first 69 episodes are all one continuous campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. And in one of the sub-arcs, our main characters end up in this western-style town. And one of the deputies of the town is a big suit of armor full of clay. It was created with the dying word of a father who saw his daughter in danger. I figured out what that spell was. He conjured an earth elemental, a, a guardian, to protect June, protect all a refuge in his absence. I met it just on the outskirts of town. Refuge deserves a better guardian than myself, that's for sure. So I equipped them with some gear, gave them a name, Roswell, for my dad, and set them on patrol using the summoning spells command word. And that word might be the hardest thing to stomach. It was Jack's dying wish, his hopes for a safer life for his daughter in his home, manifest into a single word. His final thought. It's made of earth. It is not a, a human person mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. It is the creation of some sort of mystical arts exerted onto inanimate material, which has begun to develop mm-hmm. something beyond the quote-unquote programming right. mm-hmm. of its initial created intention. It is a person, and it is a protector, and I love them. <laughs> and because golems can't talk, the way that Roswell speaks is through a little teeny tiny bird who happened to be sitting upon that particular chunk of clay when it mm-hmm. got turned into Roswell. And that means that this giant 500-pound hulking creature talks in this voice. Hello, strangers. How can I help you? You know what? No. Now I'm mad. Prepare to go to pain school. The biggest disappointment in the entirety of the Adventure Zone is the fact that the prior arc had all been about the creature type of golem. And that as a result, Griffin (laughs) McElroy would not call Roswell a golem, even though they are exactly 100% modern golem. I shake my fist at the sky. He had already burned the word. Darn you, Gygax! So is, it, is it an elemental? Is that what they elemental end up with? Elemental is what they go I mean, with. You know, I get that, but yeah. It's a golem. <laughs> it's the best golem in history. Hit me up if you want to talk more about golems. I, I have many opinions about them. <laughs> because golems are everywhere if you have eyes to see. <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in this one because we're definitely going to come back to golem stories. But that's going to be when we just talk about just anime. Just, just, just. They were so all over there, too. There were so many golem stories I wanted to bring up, and I realized all of them were from anime. And I thought to myself, huh. Hello, Redeemed Otaku. So, during these minisodes, some of which are less mini than others. And we're probably still going to barely break the 30-minute mark. It's our first episode. Exactly. We, we had, had to had explain ourselves. We had, exactly. We're not going to be doing feedback during the any of these episodes. But, 
you certainly can send us feedback on these episodes, on the type of monster that we discussed, or on our mini-episodes in general. And when the mini-series is done, we will address all of the feedback then. Come back for the next episode of Dorkness to Nightmare. The ringing of the bell commands you. While you're waiting for the next podcast episode, check out our websites. DarknessToLight.blogspot.com contains reviews, essays, and other similar ramblings. And DarknessToLight.tumblr.com, which contains some of that material, as well as top tens, cool photographs, memes, and religious puns. We also run a general interest comic book podcast network, Relatively Geeky. That content can be found at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Let us know what you think of this topic, this episode, or this podcast in general. Feel free to send your thoughts to us at dorknesstolight at gmail.com. We would also appreciate any ratings or reviews left for the podcast in the iTunes store to help like-minded people find us. Our intro, outro, and promo music is by Anderson Kale. Check them out at andersonkale.com or search iTunes to purchase their music. Thanks for listening.